in today's episode of the Amman Wire podcast. If we find our prophet, we find our, our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. If we find our prophet, we find our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if we find our prophet, we find Islam truly, and the beauty of Islam, and the benefits of Islam, and the sweetness of Islam, and the sweetness of Iman. The most unifying thing for the Muslim uh, throughout history was nothing except the love to the Prophet Once the love to the Prophet is institutionalized in a community, they uplift that community, it renders it a prophetic community. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Welcome to another episode of Iman Wire. I am your host, Ghaidar, and with me is a very special guest uh, with us, uh, actually in this gathering, uh, Sheikh Hassan Al-Ashab. Ahlan wa sallam, Sidi Sheikh. Ahlan wa sallam, and with me also is uh, my dear friend and respected brother, Imam Sami Zaharna. Welcome, Sami. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. I'm happy to be here. Allah barak fikum. We are, alhamdulillah, in a beautiful season, blessed season of the month of Sha'ban. And by Allah's rahmah, we are here very, we're very honored and very, you know, lucky to have dear Sheikh Hassan visiting us here in the DMV area. And alhamdulillah, there's, you know, an exciting series of programs happening in the DMV area. And we thought, what? It would be a better opportunity to steal him out of that, <laughs> out of that, uh, you know, uh, array of events, and have him with us to speak with us and speak to you all uh, in this, uh, you know, quick chat uh, about uh, some of what he's doing, actually, uh, right, Sidi? Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Jazakumullah khair for having me. Allah uh, It's an honor and privilege to be here. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Uh, uh, You know, we are in the month of Shaban, and uh, uh, Sheikh Hassan is uh, here in the DMV area for a program about Shema'il uh, al-Muhammadiyah, and um, uh, this discussion is a very near and dear, Alhamdulillah, discussion uh, to my heart. Uh, always connecting us to Habib alayhi salatu wasalam and to uh, you know remind us of uh, his uh, Jamal and Kamal and Ihsan and how he alayhi salatu wasalam is prioritized in the hearts of, uh, of his ummah and uh, how in this very special time uh, you know uh, maybe this discussion is even more relevant and more uh, needed and, uh, you know, uh, I, I wonder how, you know, uh, we can approach this topic, CD uh, before we talk about the Shema'il itself. Uh, but in general, uh, how, how are things going, you know, in, in, in your uh, neck of the woods in, in Taysir and how the program is, is happening over there in Tennessee? Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sayyidina Muhammad wa Alaihi Wasallam, Salima. Alhamdulillah, things are moving beautifully. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, you see it is at the, at the center of building a prophetic community in Knoxville. Mashallah. There's a lot going on, Alhamdulillah. A couple of years, Alhamdulillah, we hired Imam Khalid and he's doing a great job. Um, Alhamdulillah, we've got students from all the corners of the country. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, this year, young cohort, young cohort. But Alhamdulillah, there's just a lot going on, Alhamdulillah. Um, again, at the center of which there is that uh, appeal to appeal to our souls to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where they are suited um, and then the rest falls in into place once that connection is strong to Allah ta'ala strong to the Prophet once people are connected to Allah ta'ala connected to their akhirah centralizing the akhirah 
you know, the whole logistics and programming and all of that. And so the, the, the view becomes clear and uh, the difficulties uh, becomes, uh, the, the difficulties become, um, I wouldn't say welcomed, but they become something that, that are confronted with the help of Allah Ta'ala, with the, with the, with the companionship of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Um, and as long as Allah Ta'ala utilizes in that which is good for us, for our akhirah, we're happy to serve. Alhamdulillah. When a person does not find himself in the service of the Ummah of the Prophet does not find himself, does find himself free. That's when the free, quote unquote, free. Um, that's when the person should should uh, question the choices that they're making. But as long as the person is on the forefront of the struggle to make us better, um, and we say makes us better, whatever you do in in the DMV area is something that makes us better. Whatever other brothers are doing elsewhere, making us better. The success of each endeavor that is Islamic, whatever it is, is our success, and we have to celebrate it. So, um, but when we are not in the forefront, that's where we have to fear for ourselves. Mm-hmm. When we find ourselves, uh, you look around, you look at Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, and Friday and Sunday, Friday and Saturday and Sunday, and there is nothing in them that serves the community. There is nothing in them that involves serving, volunteering, helping, sitting, sitting down for the waking up for qiyam, doing things with the community on a level of ibadah, on a level of service. We have to fear for ourselves. Sami, I think uh, you share a lot of uh, what uh, Sheikh Hassan uh, is talking about by, mashallah, you know, being involved a lot in, in the DMV area. What do, what do you think, like, uh, when you hear those kind of comments and sometimes you feel maybe overwhelmed even being involved, you know, how, how do you think about that, you know, when it comes to, you know, your job as an imam, as, as a leader of the community, and then your job as just a regular guy who's taking care of his family and trying to be, you know, looking after his own ibadah and own tahsil of ilm and whatnot. How, how do you feel about balance when it comes to that? Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. I mean, first of all, alhamdulillah, we're so, we're so honored to have Sheikh Hassan here. Alhamdulillah. You know, we listen, we listen to the Sheikh and, and we take from him. And, um, you know, it's, it's it's an honor to serve the Ummah of the Prophet It really is, and that that honor is not an is not an easy thing to do. It's very difficult, and um, but it's an honor. You know, as I believe it's Qadi Ayyad who said, "When Mazadani Sharaf and Watiha, Kitab Akhmusli Ata Athuraya Dukhuli Tahta Qoluka Ya Ibadi, On Sayyat Ahmed Ali Nabiya Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam." That which has given me honor and glory to the point that I feel I can walk in the stars is that you have allowed me to enter under the title of my servants and you made Ahmed our prophet. So this is an honor, you know, it's an an honor to be able to serve. It's an honor that Allah selected us to do this work. Um, But that comes with a responsibility and that responsibility is a very scary thing. And, um, you know, what the Shaykh Shaykh Hassan was saying about, you know, it's not just khidmah, it's khidmah and also individual ibadah for the leaders, you know, and that's, that's the thing that, Someone like me, at least, that's that's what I fear. You know, are we doing that level mm. of individual khidmah that we should be doing, individual ibadah, afwan, that we should be doing? Um, because that's what's going to give us strength. You know, it's very easy, I think, to get swept up in all the work that needs to be done, but that work is not sufficient in of itself. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Sayyidina Musa, you and your brother go to Fir'aun, that's a work of da'wah. 
but don't forget to be constant in my remembrance. Wow. In, the, in the dhikr of Allah So Alhamdulillah, we learn from, from our teachers and our shiuch, you know, that remind us of this. Yeah, subhanAllah. Uh, Sidi Sheikh Hassan, uh, you know, uh, the Shamayat program has been going on for a while, you know, and part of what you mentioned in terms of serving the community is your uh, loving insistence on keeping this on your radar. You know, it's been a while, mashallah, and, and I remember you doing it not only, you know, through the lens of Taysir, it's also like through many other organizations through the West that you are, you know, making sure that the Shema'il program is oft repeated and oft, you know, uh, visited in several areas in the U.S. You know, uh, how long have you been doing this, by the way? <laughs> Put you on the spot. Um <laughs> You know, since I came to America, it was our, our habit to, before I came to America, it was our habit to finish the Shama'il um, often mm. with our shuyukh, readings with them uh, as we travel, readings with them in the in the Rabi al-Awwal and so on. And when I came in here, I could I turned left and right to find somebody to do it with me. And then, you know, I, you know, I was just doing it by myself for some time. Um, so the... When I when I moved to South Bend, um, I don't know when it was that. I think it was two thousand six, probably. Okay. Um, I found a an Imam in South Bend. May Allah Taala reward him and elevate him. One of the students of Abu Hassan Nadwi, rahmatullahi mm, taala, is Nadwi. Muhammad Sirajuddin. May Allah Taala elevate him. Mm-hmm. One of the beautiful souls uh, and hidden gems. Uh, and. And uh, we were talking and so on and so forth, and and we did the shama'il there. So this is the first time we did the shama'il in a group. Um, was there in 2006, and since then, Subhanallah Taala, Allah Taala, put baraka that we do it every single year there. He invites me and we do it even for a small gathering. Um, but then when I moved to Knoxville, mm-hmm. um, they insisted that we do something, and I said that the best thing is to gather around the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And since we started it in in Knoxville. Celebrate Mercy picked it up, and that's in the, the rest is, is history. So we're talking about, I don't know, probably a good almost 20 years. Of Allah Akbar. Allah bless sometimes you all. Sometimes two times, sometimes three times, sometimes four times a year. So I, I don't know. I, I don't count how many times we do the Shama'il, but uh, I hope uh, and pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we found our Prophet through it. And that we meet with our Prophet through it. Um, there is nothing, the, reading the Shama'il and sitting to read the Shama'il with our heart present and our minds present is nothing less than, um, uh, you know, meeting with the Prophet And this is not this is not me saying this. There's a lot of scholars. Uh, a lot of scholars are, 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 saying, are saying this. You know, many, many, many of them have been experiencing this, this idea of like when you open the Shama'il, it's like you're, 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 you have a description of the Prophet You're transported spiritually mm. to the surrounding of the Prophet to, to the to the companionship of the Prophet And we always we always say that um, uh, we want to connect to the Prophet But most of that connection is 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 in a level of of the intellect, mm. um, in the level of the the rational. Uh, so we we emphasize how much information we want to have about the Prophet When we read about his sira, his sira we, it goes chronologically, and it goes just like a like a series of uh, of of achievements, like a CV. So it sounds like it looks like a CV, um, but that very personal connection to the Prophet that rendered the Sahaba who they were, yeah. it's is is absent. It can only be achieved by first. Connecting to the lineage, connecting to the to the isnads, the spiritual isnads, 
that bring that brought that love to the Prophet ﷺ from one generation to another generation to another generation to us. But also through through literature like this that really softened the hearts and and make make the Prophet ﷺ accessible to our hearts and to our souls. And if we find our Prophet, we find our 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 our, relation, our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. If we find our Prophet, no. we find our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if we find our Prophet, we find Islam truly and the beauty of Islam and the benefits of Islam and the sweetness of Islam and the sweetness of Iman. The most unifying thing for the Muslim uh, throughout history was nothing except their love to the Prophet Once the love to the Prophet is institutionalized in a community, it uplifts that community, it renders it a prophetic community. And um, the, it's a book that you cannot finish from because every time you read the book, you feel that you, the, the, you know, it reveal, the, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam reveals himself, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in different ways and many facets to us. Mm. In, so you read it with the hearts of the people who are around. You read it with their yearning. You read it with their longing. Um, I remember one, one, one year, um, it was in here, it was in D.C., when one of the sisters, when we, we came to the, the last day of reading the Shama'il and we're going fast so we can finish and give people ijazah. People wants to have that. Mm. Um, and we're going a little fast. And, you know, in one of the breaks, she came straight and her eyes are filled with with, uh, with tears. And she said, you know, don't rush. You know, don't make me lose my profit. Allah. You know, I don't want to lose my profit. Do it, do it right or don't. Oh. You know what I mean? It's like I'm, I attend a lot of Shama'il and I, you know, I don't want to lose my... So... Uh, you know, we we pray to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to make us a, a a vehicle and venue to make sure that this the people get to Islam to get that people get to Islam from the from the gate, mm. and the gate is in Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So that's the that's the idea. Mashallah. Anyway. So I'm saying, yani, uh, there's there's a lot of us out there who don't know what the Shema'il book is. Mm. Can you just give us like a very small intro, who the author is, what the text is about? And how it's structured as a book. Mm. The word shama'il, the word shama'il uh, itself is the plural of shamla. Shamla is 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 characteristic or uh, inner and outward characteristic of a person. Um, the the poet used to say labid, uh, labid, labid bin Rabi'a. He, was, he became a, he became a Muslim afterwards. He was uh, he was uh, he was a jahili and became a mukhadram. Um, he's uh, he says. Uh, هم قومي وقد أنكرت منهم شمائل بدلوها من شمالي. They, they, these, these are my people. You know, he was upset with these people. He said, that's my people. But I looked at their habits and their customs and their characteristics, and they changed from my characteristics. They are my people, but still, their characteristics are its attributes, manners, um, characteristics, inward and outward as well. Um, and the book itself, the book is of Imam Tirmidhi. Muhammad bin Sawra, Tirmidhi uh, rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhi, is one of the students of, is the students of Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhi, um, one of the, one of the, the pillars of hadith, uh, born and raised and, and so in, as, uh, as a, as a son uh, of, of a convert, and he became uh, one of the carriers of hadith with Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa one of the, one of the very preferred Students of Imam Bukhari, rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhi. Imam Bukhari narrated a hadith from him. Uh, Imam Tirmidhi said that in his book, mm -hmm. Al-Jami'ah. 
and um, you know he he traveled all around, um, gathered tremendous amounts of hadith, and became the, one of the great one of the hafads, one of the greatest hafads of the of the of the ummah. Um, he was born in the third century, and he died at the end of the third century, to to eighty one to eighty one age, if, if I'm not mistaken. And Imam Tirmidhi, rahmatullahi taala, Ali had written a lot of books on hadith. He written al-Jami'ah, he written al-Ilal, he written and written Shama'il, this book in here, Shama'il. So um, before Imam Tirmidhi, everybody who writes about book, you read Bukhari, you read Muslim, and so on. And description of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and what relates to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is a chapter within the book. Mm-hmm. Imam Tirmidhi, rahmatullahi taala, Ali came in and singled out this chapters and gathered all of those hadith. That relates to the Prophet وسلم, in one book and called it Al-Shama'il Al-Muhammadiyya Al-Khasail Al-Mustafawiyya. The, the characteristics of the, the of Muhammadan characteristics or attributes and Al-Khasail or the, the, the characteristics of the, that are, that are the, prophetic, the prophetic characteristics. And it was the first book in his genre in this regard. The, 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 to, to step back, the books of Sirah, uh, the, the, the library of Sirah in the Islamic tradition is very, very vast. And it ranges from the book, from the books that, that goes chronologically about the prophets, about the life of the Prophet That's how it started. It started as a genre that goes with, it started as a, uh, as a genre that, go, that writes about the, that writes about the, the the battles of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi was the first one to start the, the genre of the Sira. Mm-hmm. And then start you know, Ibn Ishaq starts, you know, writing about uh, he wrote about chronological um uh narrative about the Prophet Sallallahu and then abridged it and so on and so on. It goes on and so on and so forth. And if you look at this uh, it started like that, but then uh, but then the, the writing of the Sira start starts branching out. And start being even more specialized. So you find some people are writing about Imam Tirmidhi, writing about the characteristic of the Prophet ﷺ. From the Imam Tirmidhi, after Imam Tirmidhi, find people writing about the Lail Nubuwa, mm. the the proofs and and veracity of Prophet of the Prophet ﷺ. And you find people also writing about the Khasais of the Prophet ﷺ. These things that are very specific to the Prophet ﷺ, whether it's in ahkam or in characteristics, or that are very specific to him, mm-hmm. And you find people writing about just the rulings of the Prophet ﷺ and some about the and so on and so forth, right? And, and then you have this beautiful, beautiful library of this era. The genre of the Shama'il started with Imam Tirmidhi, rahmatullahi ta'ala. He's the only, he's the first one to start it, to start it. And um, subhanAllah, Allah Ta'ala put a lot of barakah in, uh, barakah in the book. The book was not written in, a, in an academic way. It was not compiled in an academic way. How do we know that? We know that because Imam Tirmidhi, rahmatullahi ta'ala, alayhi, the critique of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ was not concerned about the critique of the hadith. He was just bringing the hadith. It's like somebody's bringing, bringing those hadith to remind himself of who the Prophet ﷺ was and to, to collect the, his, the characteristics of the beloved mm. to be de- that, who was dear to him, to, to be close to him so he can see it every single day or he can look at it every single day to be reminded of his beloved. Mm. Right, it's like it's like uh, as we see some people right now. You know, they got their they got their 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 lover's picture in their wallet. Yes. They, they take a look at it yeah. and so on. But the Prophet was ev- even more dear to them, so he did not comment on the hadith. He didn't say this hadith is sahih or daif and no, so on no. and so forth, he, because he was not concerned about that. Was he was concerned about bringing those hadith to the Prophet 
that that show us who he was, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And it, it was a spiritual exercise more than it was an academic exercise. And Allah put so much barakah in it that Ibn Kathir, when he was writing his own Shama'il book, said, you know, I'm writing this book, but, you know, the first one to start the book of, the book, the, the writing on this genre is Imam Tirmidhi. Mm -hmm. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put a lot of barakah in his book that nobody, no book could have shaded his book. And indeed, Imam Tirmidhi's book is, if it's not, is, is the third book in the history after, after well, I'm not counting the Quran in here, uh, other than the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam, Imam Tirmidhi, Imam, uh, Shama'il Imam Tirmidhi is the third book in the Islamic tradition, all over the Islamic tradition that has been celebrated. That's a has been statement. celebrated. Has been celebrated yeah. more than yeah. has been celebrated and written and memorized and 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 commented about, uh, commented on. So more than a lot of other books that we think are going to be right at the top. So you have you have the al Khairat, no. you have Shifa, Mashallah. and you have Imam Tirmidhi. And you have the third one is Imam Tirmidhi. Uh, some people say Bukhari, some people say Imam Tirmidhi. But at least in the at least in 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 Andalus, in, in in the west in west side of the Muslim of the Muslim dominion, um, there always been Imam Tirmidhi written in a play, written in a in a in a small books and taken with people and as they travel uh -huh. and so for the barakah and so on. One of the great scholars of of of, uh, of Egypt, Imam Imam, um, used to say, used always be carrying Tirmidhi in his pocket. And they say, is this a book that you cannot finish with? They said, it contains the description of my beloved. And I want to look at the description of my beloved all the time. So day and night, day and night, the book is with him. And that's how, that's how the book itself, the book, the book is, is a compilation of the prophets, uh, of hadith of the Prophet about the Prophet mm -hmm. from the Sahaba and a hadith of the Prophet that contains his physical description yeah. and the things that the Prophet liked as a person. Mm as a human being and then his characteristics and then his choices of ibadah and what he does in his ibadah what he does in his in his fasting what he does in his qiyam what he does in how he was in the most mundane if there's anything mundane about Prophet and things that are related to his ibadah but mm. mostly all that what's in the book in here is related to the Prophet as a prophet and as a, as a person mm. and, mm. and only if we love the Prophet Love the Prophet is an incumbent obligation mm. on, on a believer. And um, you may be attracted to the ideas of Islam, you may be attracted to the quote-unquote ideology of Islam, but only if you get to love the Prophet that you'll taste the sweetness of that faith. Um, it has an impact on us that no other, no other, no other worship no other, no, no other um, um, personality, no, nothing can substitute for the love of the Prophet ﷺ in uplifting, purifying, elevating the believer, unifying them with the ideals of Islam, making sense. Islam makes sense only mm. if we love the Prophet ﷺ. So much of the Qur'an will be locked. So much of the secrets of the Qur'an will be locked. So much of the seer of the Prophet ﷺ will be, will be will be meaningless. If you approach it academically. If we approach it just academically. Yeah. And even Only. for Imam Tirmidhi, you know, you're saying that it was that high ranked in terms of, uh, you know, the acceptance and the spread uh, amongst the Ummah. As a book on ilal. As, as a, yeah. So you're saying that the works of a lover 
yeah, are far more reaching than the works of an, acad- an academic, you know. <laughs> so. Imam Abdi Rahmatullahi mentioned yeah. that, you know, he was Darir at the end of his life. Rahmatullahi lost his sight at the end mm-hmm. of his life. Mm-hmm. And he used to be among the Bakkain, he used to be among the people who, who cry a lot. And he would think that these people who have this beautiful view of the world, they cry not because they are gloomy and they are dour and they are, their view of, the, of life is, is dark. It's because they, because they, because they, they, are, they connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on a very beautiful way that they can't help it. That they can't help it. Seeing all of those beautiful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm. and connecting to the Prophet mm. on that level, they can't help it. So he lost his sight because he cried Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sheikh, I want to, um, you know, I, I found, Jazakumullah, anna kul khair. Over the past 10 years, there, there has been some sort of a revival of the importance given to Shama'il, of the teaching of Shama'il. And I would dare say perhaps even across different Islamic schools and methodologies, you do see that importance. But you know, you've, you've spoken a lot about the importance of Shama'il as a spiritual exercise as opposed to simply an intellectual exercise of learning of the Messenger his oh. physical characteristics as well as his character. Can you speak to us, you know, expand a little bit on that? And specifically, you mentioned the importance of Sanad and taking it from the lovers and the teach and the teachers that have that hub of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Can you speak of your experiences sitting with those people of your mashayikh and yeah. and how how that practically mm. um, leaves leaves a, leaves a mark on you? Yeah, Subhanallah. Uh, you know, Farzdaq is to say. Uh, like these are my fathers oh Jarir uh, bring somebody like them bring somebody like them you know Fazdaq is having this fight with, with, Jarir. with Jarir and he says you know these are my these are my forefathers bring somebody like them oh Jarir when we get to fight when we get to fight bring somebody like those you can't um so these are these are our our forefathers. May Allah Taala elevate them, reward them. We are we are hasana from their hasanat, and we ask Allah Taala to be a bright hasana from their mm-hmm. from their hasanat. We ask Allah Taala to we are a beautiful extension of of theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, my first encounter with the Shama'il was 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 with Abdullah Talidi, and I I aspire to teach it the way he taught it. Radiallahu Taala anhu arda. He was a walking. Uh, it was a walking uh, reflection, if you will, or light from the light of the Prophet mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that in a very light way. I'm not. This is just not like uh, it seems like those, uh, you know, students enamored with their teachers and so on. There's nothing wrong about that. I'm just saying, like you know, as I look as quote unquote, and I put my academic hat and I look at this person and I and I Subhanallah nadim. Um, Sheikh, they, just not to interrupt you, please forgive sure. me, but just for the audience, Sidi Sheikh Abdullah Talidi was one of the greatest scholars of hadith in Morocco, in Tanja, in Tangier. Yeah. And the Sheikh, Sheikh Hassan spent, how many years, Sheikh? In his, I, sp- uh, I spent uh, two years in there, two uh, years in the madrasa, but, yeah. but the connection was way more than that. It was okay. uh, since 1997, okay. until he passed away, alhamdulillah. Yeah. Yeah. Please keep so going. It's probably you know, some 20 years and so. We always go visit, we always sit down, always read something, we always uh, yeah. travel with him, alhamdulillah, a very special connection to him. Um, so, uh, the Shaykh Rahmatullahi Ta'ala teach, does not teach the, you know, you could finish the book, you know, we'll go to other scholars and you can go to the other scholars and you sit down with them and you read the Shema'il. If you want an Isnad, you can read the Shema'il in two hours and a half. Yeah. 
that's what that's what that's the normal practice. Mm. You go to the sheikh, say, can you read the shamail with you? And he sit down and, and read the shamail and that's mm. that. Uh, the sheikh spent you know weeks and weeks and weeks in the books of shamail. Mm. He never taught it. He never read the shamail. To my knowledge, he never read the shamail to anybody. Just like that, he read other books for the for the for the riwayah. Bukhari and Muslim and so on and so forth. For the shamail, he sits down and he explains. And he, he, he lives with every single hadith. He lives with, with every single hadith. He brings what's in it in language. He brings what's in it in, in, uh, in uh, if there's any ahkam related to it. And, and, um, but mostly, he brings about that deep connection to the Prophet You could see his love manifested in his commentary to the Prophet And it's that breath that touched the heart. Mm. It's seeing a lover. This is how we know how to love. We know how to love, not because it just happens. You know how to love if you've seen how lovers speak about their lovers, about their beloved, how they interact, how the adab that they showed, how they, and so on and so how they, all, all of those things, all of those etiquettes and mannerism, that, and those sighs of yearning, those longings that are in the, in the you know, in between the lines, that's what's, that's what's missed when you read the book very fast. That's what missed when you read the book on your own. That love unlocks the book and unlocks that love, unlocks that connection. And that's what's that's what's what's interesting in here is that we 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 rendered Islam so intellectual that we want that we 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 I always say it's like we protestanize it. We protestanize it in the sense that you know, Protestantism came in and, and then rendered religion like an individual thing. Like everybody got his Bible. Like Gutenberg happened and everybody got his Bible now. Mm -hmm. You don't need an authority to explain. You don't need an authority to convey the tradition. The tradition is the tradition is nothing other than you and the book. Mm -hmm. And what do we bring to the book to unlock its secret? What do we bring? We bring our, we bring our inconsistencies. We bring our uh, defaults. We bring our weaknesses. We bring our... And with that, we read the book. We bring our understanding. We bring our individualism. We bring our egoism. We bring our you know all of that. And we bring some khayr as well that is mm -hmm. in us. And then we read the book with it. But while when you read it with somebody who loved the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and such a great scholar, um, he gives you he gives you the the, the scholarly intellectual. You are in a feast mm -hmm. of intellectual. Um, you know, uh, intellectual knowledge and 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 enlightenment, but at the same time, all of that is enveloped in mm. that enveloped in that light of love, mm. enveloped in and so. Mm. You see people crying. You see the sheikh when he gets to his heart, when he gets to his, his and he, mm. you know, he remembers something and and, and so on and. And he goes on in on certain tangent, and he remembers the, the Prophet Muhammad's mother. And we, you know, when and he says, you know, when the Prophet cried about his mother, you can see the Sheikh crying, and mm. everybody is crying. And it's it's you live, it's like you're there. They transport you. Those those big hearts, they transport you to the Prophet This is what you mean by the spiritual senad, right? Yeah, there, there's no other translation to it. If you're on absolutely. your own with a book, then you can't absolutely. get that senad. Absolutely, so. absolutely. This is just like we inherited isnads that are tangible. You know, you you, you heard the hadith from the Prophet You hear somebody read heard the hadith from the Prophet to the other, conveyed it to the other person until it arrived to us. Some people got something deep. In their hearts, from the Prophet Islam and conveyed it. The Islam was not just conveyed on, on a piece of vellum or or paper or, or so. It was it was not an intellectual exercise. In mm -hmm. fact, they were frowned upon. The, they frowned upon books. They frowned upon that which has been written. 
لا تاخذ القران عن مصحفي ولا العلم عن صحفي الخطيب بغدادي يوز تو سي رحمه الله تعالى ان هيز بوك هي سيد دي يوز تو سي دو نوت تيك ذا قران فروم سمبدي هو رايز اون هيز مصحف اند دونت تيك ذا علم اوف سمبدي هو رايز اون هيز بوك البوك هاز بين فراوند ابون ات هاز بين داوتد هي هاز بين رايت ات از ذا شيخ ات از ذا بيبل هو سمبدي هو سات ويز سمبدي هو سات ويز سمبدي هو سات ويز سمبدي اند يو نو ذس از نوت It's not an. Uh, this is not. Uh, it's it's not something new, uh, and it's not something. It's not something. It's not an anomaly. Um, you know, even in the even in the the you know the the knowledge that is not uh, that not not the secret, the profane knowledge, if you will, or the profane knowledge, or or the secular knowledge, if you will. There is no such thing as secular knowledge. But you know, just just for the sake of of. Uh, Understanding each other, you need an authority to teach you whatever you're, whatever it's not. You know, you, know, you, you people go and why do people go to the highest universities and higher training because they want the best to train them, and similarly in the tradition, say, similarly, you know, and it's not just that which is intellectual and that which is, um, you know, pro- processed by our by our mind and our reasons, and 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 I could see, you know, one of the reasons why. I emphasize in the Shema'il because it counters this. It counters this. Uh, this this um, uh, scholasticism in in the American in American discourse. There is there is a level of heightened um, or hyper hyper um, what's the word? The elevation of scholasticism in the traditionalism of American discourse that is not that is not healthy. Mm-hmm. We think we want to teach everybody fiqh. We want to teach everybody hadith. We want to teach everybody, and we think that we give them everything. We want everybody to be talib ilm on the highest level, and we think that once doing that, injecting all of that information in their minds, everything will be solved. That's not true. That is that is the it couldn't be more wrong as an approach. I know that a lot of people go back home, alhamdulillah, and they study with mushuyuk, and so they want to bring that in here, and they think that the salvation of the Muslim community is in there. Part of it. Mm-hmm. Not not all of it, you know. You could still be a scholar and you go study and bring all your ijazas and all of that and so, and you still harboring all the diseases of the heart, right? So I think that the point of start is not that. The point of start is not to render everybody go ahead and start start study fiqh and study this and study that and emphasizing the scholasticism, right? I think we need to emphasize a very deep traditional spirituality. That emanates from the Prophet ﷺ, guarded by the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, and elevated by a practice that connects it to the struggle of the Muslim on a daily basis. And the point of start is to know the Prophet ﷺ and how he taught the Sahaba, how he taught them to be spiritual people while they are at the midst of the struggle. And knowing him is the core of all of that. Knowing him ﷺ, connecting with him on a deeper level on a daily basis, not through salawat. Through thinking about him, you read the hadith. Yeah, there is an intellectual part of it, and and so on. And intellect is the gate, but it doesn't stop there unless we connect with our souls to him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Until we allow him into our heart to open it and to conquer it and to clean it and to enlighten all the corners that are in our heart that might have that might carry some darkness. So that's that's why the shemail. For me, you know. The unifying factor in the Ummah is the Prophet sallallahu You got people who are Shia, you got people who are this and that, attending the Shama'il. And so much of their views change because it's, it's the, it's the, the Prophet sallallahu is like the, 
you know, it becomes easy to comment through the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, through the life of the Prophet ﷺ, through him ﷺ, to comment on social issues, to comment on political issues, to comment on, you know, how to render the Prophet ﷺ, um, how to, like, like somebody who is like, just like here, mm. and he should be here in our hearts, with us, mm. he should be here, right? With all those small sunans, when we wear our shoes, when we wear our this, when we wear our, when we put our, when we put our clothes, when we say, when we eat, when we say, all of those. If we remember the Prophet sallallahu all of those habits that are we think that are mundane, if we remember the Prophet sallallahu we elevate. Mm-hmm. We there is something that, and I stop here. There is something that the scholars say. Alhamdulillah, they taught us. They say, uh, um, they say. Uh, uh, Say the the habits of the greats are the great habits. And that's why you see people reading all of these biographies and reading all <clears throat> life of Steve Jobs and this and, this and that. What, mm-hmm. What's the reason for all of that? Because they want to have the habits and the choices and think that render those people great. Mm-hmm. Right? And you know, unless we adopt the the habits of the Prophet even the habits that have no legal ramifications, they have no legal ramifications, no whatsoever. Mm. Unless we adopt those habits, then the 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 uh, the the, um, the secrets of the deen and the secrets of the Quran and the secrets of Allah will be will be still will be will be still unlocked for us. Mm. And even understanding our realities will be will be difficult for us. We'll wander all over the places unless we connect to the Prophet on a deep level. And it starts with small things like that, because that's how it started with the with the companions. You know, the source of their strength was not just they knew much of the Quran. Imagine, like only five of or five or six people memorized the Quran and the life of the Prophet This is the truth. So, were these people? How did they become great? How did they become great? By the commitment to the Prophet The Prophet had really had really filled their hearts for them. We read the hadith in the Prophet. We read so much, so many hadiths. Sidna Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu coming. Hadith Sahih. It came out and he says, the Prophet came out at noon and he said, and it came out at noon. That time it never comes out, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then he came out and then he found Sidna Abu Bakr. Sidna Abu Bakr. Um, said, oh, Abu Bakr, what, what brought you out at this time? Sidna Abu Bakr said, Rasulullah, I came out to look at your face. Allah. So he's a grown-up man. Probably you just saw him in, in Fajr time. And when he gets 11, 11.30 or so, he came out of his house. What is he coming to do? He's coming to see the Prophet Wasallam, just to see the Prophet Wasallam. He wants to, see, he missed him. He already longed for him, right? But then they moved a little bit and then Sidna Umar showed up. And then Sidna Umar, Sidna Umar said, oh, no, Sidna Rasulullah said, Sidna Umar, Umar what, what brought you out? The Apostle of Allah, hunger. Allah. I'm hungry. Allah. No, again, we read the hadith and we pass by, but what, what makes a growing up man like Sidna Umar, who is so resourceful? He has all the, he's smart, he can go to the market, he has neighbors, he can solve his problem with that. What make a man like this come to the Prophet ﷺ for that? What, what's, they saw in the Prophet ﷺ something more than just a conveyor of a message, and that's that. Mm-hmm. And that's why, even in these small things, the Prophet ﷺ was there. You know, the lady, her grand, her, her nephew was sick. She brought him to the Prophet. My, my nephew is sick. 
فضرب على وجهي وgave me his wudu and I drank from it and and so on. For them, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was the was was at the center of their faith. Through him, they knew every single thing they knew, and through him, faith made sense. And that's why لما مات رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم uh, when the Prophet came to Medina, as and I said, all Medina becomes enlightened. Allah. And when he and when he passed, Allah Medina was darkened, and we felt it in our heart. He said, وَأَنْكَرْنَا قُلُوبَنَا وَمَا وَمَنْتَهِنَا مِنْ دَفْنِهِ وَمَا دَفْنَهُ حَتَّى أَنْكَرْنَا قُلُوبَنَا. And we we didn't finish burying him until we did not recognize our hearts. Yes. That light that was feeding them is not longer there. And that's that's the idea in here. The idea in here is that we can't build a prophetic community just on teaching people, you know, ilm, like, you know, st- you know, fiqh hadith and so on, so in a very scholastic way. Mm. It doesn't solve the problem. It's, ilm is important. I'm not, you know, I run a seminary. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, nobody's going to, but I'm just saying, we're, if, if, this is, if this is the promised land that we're promising, if this is promised land that we're um, professing, then I don't think it's a promised land, mm. right? The focus has to be on tarbiyah, at the core of which is our relationship with the Prophet So, Sami, uh, when it comes to, you know, the last two narrations that uh, Sheikh Hassan mentioned about Sayyidina Omar and the lady who came with her uh, child, you know, you, like, as an imam, like, what, what goes to your, like, what comes to your heart when it comes to, like, people coming to you and... Like, are there issues where you tell them, like, listen, just like try to, you know, connect a little bit more. Try like with the Prophet Sallallahu Try to, uh, you know, is there something that you try to inculcate as an Imam and as like, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are listening that are involved in one way or, or another in service and khidma, and they we want to try to employ this. How do we, you know, or not how? Like, what comes to your heart? I guess when you encounter those folks who are like you need a little bit more of the muhammadi anwar you know but how do you how do you approach that usually as an imam yeah i mean subhanallah so so much came to my heart when when sheikh hassan was speaking and and, and one one thing in particular is um a sentence i once read is that uh, the the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam was was the messenger and the message mm-hmm. he wasn't he wasn't a mailman hasha sallallahu alaihi wasallam he was he was the message and when when we make that, I think for a lot of us, there is a paradigm shift that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not just there is an issue. Uh, what would the messenger do? You know, we kind of appropriated that from what would Jesus do? Right, right. right? right. What would the messenger do? Right. It's who is the messenger? And how, how do I employ the messenger in myself, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, so I can be like him? In in that, it's it's not just let me apply the hadith here. Right. It's how can I make him my victor and my supporter? And I think this is something that's really missing with us in general, including myself. I mean, I remember I was speaking to a teacher on something and um, about an email or something I wrote, and I, I was seeking his advice on it. So I said, you know, I wrote this and like all these arguments, and I was kind of worked up on it. He said, you know what you should do? He said, sleep on the email. Wake up the next morning or whatever when you're you know sit 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 a bit 
And then you say, how can you sidna nabiyat? <laughs> how can you sidna nabiyat, you know? <laughs> I think we all know who I'm speaking of. <laughs> how can you make sure that it's in the lens of Sayyidina Muhammad? Allahumma <laughs> salli alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. And so if we don't have that relationship with the Messenger, وسلم, he's not going to be the first person we look for for, for guidance. We're not, gonna, it's, we're not in that headspace to begin with. And so we have to be in that headspace. You know, when the things happen in, in Gaza, and I'm, I'm, we just happen to be doing at our masjid, uh, Surah Al-Ahzab, no. you know, in light of the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That's kind of how we're, how we're teaching it. And I just, every, every time I'm overwhelmed when I'm, re, when I'm reminded that the reason Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala revealed the verse, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا Indeed, you have in the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, an exemplar mm-hmm. for those who believe in Allah in the last day and remember Allah abundantly. The famous verse. The the context here is courage. That's what the entire context is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of the hypocrites and their cowardice and so on and so forth. And then there is a, a, a like a starch uh, jump in the middle of the passage in Surah Al-Ahzab. And Allah says, you have in the messenger of Allah an exemplar. Then he speaks of who the true men are, Rijal, right? Uh, immediately following it. And so you're reminded, okay, if I'm going to face this political climate locally, mm-hmm then he's the only person I can make my victor. I have to be like that. Um, but if we're not in the constant salawat upon him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we're, remind, we're, we're reading about him, we're making him you know, central to who we are, um, you're not going to be in the headspace to, to come to think of that, I think. Allahu alam. SubhanAllah. So Sidi, uh, uh, when it comes to the Shama'il as a, as a book and as a text, and alhamdulillah, you covered a lot in terms of uh, its significance and how the scholars have viewed it. Uh, we are, after all, a community that's mixed in its masharib and it's like different views of how they practice the deen. And, um, you know, with, with folks who are not familiar with Shema'il, and especially with folks who encounter Shema'il and they start reading it, I'm like, oh, that's an interesting book. Let me just start reading it. They get to first, of course, the book, as you mentioned, covers the characteristics of the, of the Prophet والسلام, and you know his ibadah and, and other aspects. However, it does cover a lot of his physical characteristics and, and his uh, you know uh, uh, physical attributes and how he والسلام, used to look like, what his eyes are like, what his uh, hair is like, what his face is like, and etc. 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 And some folks who may not have maybe gotten into some of the avenues spiritually that you mentioned you know, previously, may say, like, wait a second, I get how I should emulate the Prophet I get how I should embody his, sun- his sunnah. Why is there so much emphasis on his physical attributes? Why is there so much being, uh, you know, dissected, if you will, you know, about his sifat khuluqi, alayhi salatu can you indulge us a little bit more about the wisdoms and what uh, you know some of these akabir mentioned about um, you know this section of the book? Yeah, uh, subhanallah. Uh, let me just preface it with uh, with uh, with saying that uh, I used to have a student uh, when I was when I was teaching when I just came to America. I was teaching in a in an elementary school, uh, high school, and one of the I couldn't understand why one of our students um, was it was in, it was in Boston area. And he was so enamored with Paul Pierce at that time. Paul Pierce is one of the players of the Celtics at that time. Um, and he knows he knows all the brawls that he was in. He, he knows that he was, <laughs> you know, he was stabbed. And so I know, I know, I thought it was, he was stabbed and he was like two inch away from his heart. And he knows the, 
the you know his shoe size and he knows and so on and so forth. Um, Michael Jordan. Right? Michael Jordan, uh, you know, and so on and so. On. A lot of people like you cannot live without a model. The idea is that all our life is modeled over something. You all, always, it's going to be modeled, no matter what. You wake up, you, you open your eyes on the world, and they're, sh- they're always going to be. It starts from your parents, and then it goes on. The world and society puts front of you a lot of models, a lot of models. And a lot of times you find yourself, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you do things, the way you, you know, make the, the slightest of gestures and so on. So it's modeled over those, over those people. Or those, you know, sometimes subliminally, sometimes sometimes uh, we take that decision. Sometimes the, the society takes those decisions for us and we start talking in a certain way. And we start building habits in those ways, right? I sent my daughter to kindergarten and she came back one, one first day. I remember vividly the first day, kindergarten. She'd never been to school. This is her first day in school. Uh, uh, she's been in pre-K, but she, the first day in, in Islamic school. So it happened that her teacher was not a Muslimah. And she, when she came from school, I'm just observing her. What is she doing? She's having something in her hand like that. Just no, she doesn't have anything. She's just gesturing that she has something in her hand, and she's teaching her sister who is younger than her. Hmm. So I say, Sophia, what do you have in your hand? She said, Starbucks. Huh. Right. So I don't drink Starbucks. I never at that time. I never. I never. I don't drink Starbucks, and I never brought Starbucks at home. She doesn't know what Starbucks is. Mm-hmm. So here she is, introduced to a certain way of drinking and start her, her tastes start developing. Her teacher, first day, this is her first day. Now, how much is she aware or she's not aware that her, that her personality is built on the models that are in front of her is, is, is um, you know, I don't know how much, how much is that. So all of us, we, we, we need models. All of us, you know, live our lives by modeling, whether subliminally or 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 we're aware of it, right? And and for the belief, for the companions of the Prophet um, you know, I always say like, what makes somebody a growing up person, right? S- you know, sits down in there because these hadiths are narrated to us by the by the by the companions of the Prophet These are the people. The Prophet did not say, "Here I am," and described himself. Right. These are the people who are surrounding the Prophet Wasallam who described the Prophet Wasallam. Sidna Abdullah ibn Umar said, Sidna Abdullah ibn Umar said, "Ma adatu la Rasulillah Wasallam fi lihiyatihi wa lafshari akthara min ashrin sharatan bayda." I haven't counted on the hair of the Prophet Wasallam in his in his uh, head or in his beard more than twenty gray hair. And you ask yourself, what makes a growing up person sitting down there and counting the white gray hair of somebody else. Mm-hmm. And you take that and transfer and, and transfer to so many things about the Prophet Wasallam that the Sahaba, they were enamored with the Prophet. Wasallam. He was something he was he was somebody who filled their hearts, Wasallam. Nothing about him was trivial. Mm-hmm. Nothing about him was trivial. Every single thing contributed to their to their iman, to their lives. Every single thing about him elevated them. And and there came a generation Again, because most of these hadiths are, are narrated to people who, who came asking for it, the generation of the tabi'in, one of the overlooked generations of, of Islam, honestly, uh, not well studied, you know, analytically speaking. You know, uh, we have the books of, of, of tabaqat that speak about the, the tabi'in and so, but analytically speaking, there aren't a lot of analytical studies about the role of the tabi'in um, 
in conveying the bulk of what has been transmitted, uh, has been that uh, Islam had. had uh, in fact, the generation that shaped our understanding of Islam is nothing but the Tabi'in, really, if you think about it. So the Tabi'in came in yearning for how the Prophet Wasallam was. Mm. Right and longing for them, and so many of them are new Muslims. So many of them are sons of new Muslims, and they come to the Prophet's house. They come to the, the, the they came, came to the to the to the companions, and they're asking them. And the companions felt obliged to the Prophet to describe the Prophet And you realize that even the language, and I, you know, always say that, um, even the language utilized in describing the Prophet ought to elevate, to meet the beauty and to meet the greatness of the Prophet you find like some really really eloquent language to describe or the description of Sidna Ali you need you need a translator in Arabic to translate it to you because it was just so uh, you know so eloquent in that time so and people would go to people who are eloquent who saw the Prophet who would describe it to them Sidna Hassan and Sidna Hussein used to go to their uncle Sidna Hind ibn Abi Hala he was the he was the 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 son who was the stepson of the Prophet from Sayyidah Khadija. And Wakana was safan an Sidna Hassan used to say uh, uh, we used to go to Sidna uh, to uh, Hind to Khali Hind bin Abi Hala and he used to be a great eloquent describer, if you will, of the Prophet. He was great, he was eloquent in. They, they, for them, it was it was something that uplifted them. So the great generation of the Tabi'in came in and they are asking questions. See, the Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha mentions that a lady came to her house and she said, you know, how was the Prophet sallallahu this? How was the Prophet sallallahu that? Where was the Prophet sallallahu used to sit? And she said, and she cried, she cried, she cried until she died. This is what Sida Aisha said. She said, there was a lady who came in asking me about the Prophet sallallahu and she said, "Who is the Prophet doing this? How is he doing this? How is he doing that?" And she's crying, crying, crying until she couldn't, you know. And we say this and we say, "Oh, this is too much. This is too much, right? This is this is a lot of." But you can't say too much to a lover, and this is the way they approach it. So if we approach it academically, it's going to appear to us that this is trivial. It doesn't benefit me much. Mm. He was a human being, sure. He was a human being, but but when you think about building a building a a building a the, the faithful personality starts from connecting the, to the Prophet on a personal level. Every human being will find something about the Prophet that touched him as a father, as a husband. If you're if you're if you think that life had treated you with with a level of toughness, you look at the Prophet and he lost all his children, he lost his lover, he lost his loved beloved wife, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He struggled a lot of with a lot of things, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Life, you know, it hasn't been easy for him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But also, if you're, you're, you need to know how how to deal with your friends and so on. The Prophet had friends and so on and so on. In every facet of life, you find the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam there guiding you how to do it and so on and so forth. Even in things that are quote unquote mundane, there is nothing mundane about the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So. As we, as we said, the, ha- the habits of the greats are the greatest habits. If you tie yourself to the, to the Prophet wasallam, to the habits of the Prophet wasallam, these are the habits that Allah had chosen for him. Mm. This is how he lived his life wasallam. If you elevate to be like that and you emulate him in those things, then the model is always front of you. When do we err and when do we digress and when we find ourselves lost? When the model is not front of us. Mm. When we start 
improvising. When we're today, I'm here, one step here and one step there and so on and so forth. But when the model is always there and the greatest model of all humanity is always front of my eyes. From the moment I wake up and I say what the Prophet used to say, to the moment I go to sleep and say what the Prophet and the model is present in my, what type of spirituality I'll be in, what type of life I will be leading, right? If the model is always there. This is what those small things do to us. This is what it, it makes the model so present in our lives. And, and if the model is so present of our, of our life, it minimizes the errors and it minimizes the digression. We're focused and so on. And shaitan comes to us when we're not focused. And our nafs becomes, becomes um, overwhelming when we're, not, when, when we're not aided by the strength of and, and so on. That's the, that's the idea. Allah ta'ala. Sheikh, Zakmul Khairan, there's... I wonder if there's something there uh, with respect to our modern sensibilities when it comes to the idea of reverence. You know, Sidi Raidar mentioned, was alluding to the fact that with a lot of people, they say it's not just, quote unquote, the triviality of learning about physical characteristics because it's not benefiting me. But also there's, I feel in my conversations with people, there's a discomfort mm-hmm. when they read these famous narrations on Hudaybiyah and they would gather for the, the, the remnants of the water of the Messenger or Um Sulaim getting the hair, all of these other things. There's just like a discomfort with the idea of reverence in this way. Is this something new? Yeah. Is- yeah. No, I mean, this is something new because of the modern, the modern understanding of the, for two, I mean, for, for multiple reasons. The first one is, there was there was a there was a uh, uh, for 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 a while there was this um, hegemony or hegemony of the literal Islam if you know what I mean so there's little there is a little Islam that really you know in simplistic Islam you know what I mean in simplistic Islam there is literalist that really uh, cut off all of those all, all of the spiritual connection to the Prophet and rendered Islam and Tawheed and talk about Tawheed and so on. And we should not talk about the Prophet and elevate the Prophet and so on and so on. And that that is so simplistic enough to reach the most, uh, to reach to the minds of people and really ruin it for them. And and that sensitivity sensitivity because becomes like oh, if I talk to the Prophet about the Prophet this way, am I doing shirk? Am I elevating him more than I mean? So and it just ruins the the taste of people from from the get go. Um, that's fading now for multiple reasons. The funders of that type of Islam is, is are not longer, <laughs> no longer. They're focused on funding, funding something they're else. Funding, they're focused <laughs> on funding something else, and so on and so forth. And so, but also, but also, how the modern had had shaped the the selves of people. Again, the, the modernity is modernity is based on philosophical principles. One of them is individualism, right? And this idea of autonomy, this idea of autonomy of the self. Right, and this idea of autonomy of the self is that you know, um, you, you know, you're autonomous in in realizing your happiness, you're autonomous in doing your thing, and so on and so forth, and it's and it's in us because we are we are we were subject in all these institutions of modernity, whether it's school, whether it's hospital, whether it's laws, whether it's we are in whether you are here, we are in nation state, whatever, whatever. All of those all of those concepts are they shape who we are, they shape our identity, they shape our likes and dislikes. And hence, we become like anybody who elevates a person like that becomes like you know why this why this uh, subjugation? Subjugation is a bad word. Mm-hmm. Subjugation is a bad word. But in fact, you know, if we think about it, there is nobody who doesn't subjugate. 
this idea that I'm not subjugated to anybody. You're subjugated. You just don't know who you are subjugating to. You're, you are a slave in a, some plantation. You just don't know which plantation. It could be Google. It could be uh, this. It could be this. It could be that. It could be technology. It could be this. It could be that. Right? It could be a system that enslaves you and you're not paying attention. Just the way you're, you know, the tax system, whatever. Uh, right? That, so that creates a person that thinks there is an illusion in here about about autonomy, but in fact, you know that you know uh, we don't need to elevate people more than a human being is a human being, and so on and so forth, right? And I don't need anybody to to have forged my relationship with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and so on and so forth, right? And but it's it's extremely wrong that it creates a personality that is so poor in sentiment, and it's so poor in in uh, in the uh, in so poor in in the um, what's the word? Um, it's poor in the feelings of what Islam is, really uh, deprived, completely deprived, because every single thing had every single thing had to. Most of what we are, most of the, the 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 light of Islam can shine only if we subjugate ourselves to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala on the most uh, subjugate ourselves to Allah, and we can only do that subjugate ourselves to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala on the highest level if we love the Prophet Allah, That land, that promised land. Of proximity to Allah Subhanahu wa is completely blocked unless we love the Prophet unless we subjugated ourselves to that which the Prophet brought, unless we connect to him on a personal level. And you know, there is a difference between uh, subjugation and subjugation. The subjugation of anybody else to the companies, to the system, to this—they subjugate you for themselves, right? They want you for the, for themselves, right? While the while when we subjugate to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, when we follow the Prophet, when we love Him in this manner, it's for us. It frees us. Their subjugation renders us more slaves, right? Whether it's social media, whether it's whatever it is, when we subjugate ourselves to Allah Taala and we emulate the Prophet Wasallam, it grants us a freedom beyond any other freedom. In mm-hmm. fact, the real freedom come only with complete subjugation to Allah Ta'ala and complete emulation and love to the Prophet And that's extremely important to understand. There is a, there is a subjugation that makes you transcendent and elevate you and gives, grants you a deep, encompassing, encompassing freedom. And there is a subjugation in here. Whether you're aware of it, you're not aware of it, you are subjugated. You are, you are subjugated to a system. Whether it's... Uh, financial system or political system or whatever, whatever. You are living in a society that really, you know, put a lot of limits on you and whether you understand it, you understand it, you're a subject in there, you're a slave in that plantation or so many other plantations. We all carry this, we all carry this thing in our, in our hands and we think that we're free, but in reality, are we? Um, yeah. So when we connect to the Prophet Wasallam, it does free us and that's why people love the Prophet Wasallam because he granted them a taste of freedom that is beyond what they, what they imagined. The Bilal's of the world, and the 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 uh, uh, the Suhaibs of the world, and the Sumayya of the world, hmm. right? Why do you think they latched that strong to the message of the Prophet It's not just because he he he, he gave them a he gave them a, an idea about the hereafter that it's going to be. No, he granted them a he gave them a, a deep sense of what freedom is while they were slaves. They became free. Whether it's Sidna Salman al-Farisi, 
Sidna Bilal Ahadun Ahad and he's been killed and he's been burned and he's been and so on and so forth. And he doesn't feel that they encroached on his soul while he's still in bondage, radiallahu ta'ala and so many others. So the idea is that the idea is the idea is that we have to be aware of what are the elements that shape who we are. Where the sensitive this sensitivity or this this um dislike of uh, you know, describing the Prophet of Islam or, uh, you know, loving the Prophet of Islam in this manner, where is it coming from? Right. What, are, what are the sensitivities that informed it? Right? Is it our secular, secular uh, encounter, the encounter with, with modernity in, that shaped us in that way? Is it our understanding of Islam that was warped? Right. If the scholars sanctioned it and actually persuaded it, you know, why am I feeling exactly. this kind of feeling? You know? Exactly. Right. And so even when you mentioned some of the, um, you know, um, filters, you know, yeah. CD, when, when, you, when you talk about, you know, the things that we carry in our hands, the phones and, and, and the, uh, you know, and the elements of beauty, let's say that we, I mean, let's face it, you know, physical beauty is something that we are, you know, usually, uh, you know, following in one way or another in terms of uh, either in the way that we think about it as men or as women. Uh, there are certain filters and certain standards that were implanted in our minds, you know, whether it's uh, we are in a global world anyway, you know, it's almost the same thing. But this way of describing the physical beauties of the Prophet is elevating our taste, is Absolutely. trying to filter away, take away the things that are incorrectly placed in our hearts, in our psyche, so that we can, you know, emulate the Prophet and even try to fill our hearts with beauty, with physical beauty that is different than what is being fed to us. And, and you know, at least I look at it from a personal point of view as a way of protecting myself because it's a vessel at the end of the day. I am attracted to beauty. Absolutely. Whether it's physical or characteristic or any other, you know, shape. And, and, and if I can direct my heart and my nafs towards Muhammadan beauty, whether it's Jamal or, you know, uh, or akhlaqi uh, or khuluqi, you know, then uh, I am protecting myself as a abid, as a person. Absolutely. From other, uh, aside from the uh, necessary connection that I need, you absolutely. know, to my Nabi, Absolutely. We, we, uh, we don't talk too much about the protective nature of connection to the Prophet mm. We talk about this, you know, the spiritual uplifting and the enlightenment and so on and so forth. And at the core of all of that is, the, just how the human being becomes, you know, it, it, the, stre- the strengthening of our will. There is no nothing that strengthens our will more than connecting to the Prophet. We feel that he's with you, strengthening your, your will in staying away from certain things or moving away from so, organizing your way so it can uh, your day so it can be stolen by this and stolen by that and you find by the end of the day you're you've been uh, you know so and days of leads to another day leads to another day and so so when you are with the Prophet you feel you feel protected. Mm. You, you feel protected from that which you really know. You know that your your you can your nerves can engage into and that which you don't know really. <laughs> so, Sayyidi, uh, one practical example as we are closing, inshallah, soon, um, you know, is from the book of Shama'il about his ibadah, mm-hmm. and, and one practical example that allows us to, you know, uh, you know I, I guess take a, uh, just one sample of his practical approach to ibadah, to worship is, is, uh, to, to worship is, is uh, siyam. 
and we are just about two weeks away. Yeah. By Allah's rahman, Allahumma balighna Ramadan. And maybe you know not what's in the book city. What you feel like when you read, when you like uh, all that usara, all that you know summary of what you have taught and experienced. You know what comes to your heart when you think about the uh, fasting of the Prophet as we are yearning towards Ramadan. Yeah, subhanallah. Um, you know, the Ramadan of the Prophet doesn't start in Ramadan. The Ramadan of the Prophet starts by you know, Sha'ban. So you have Rajab, in which the Rajab is, Sha'Allah al Muharram. The Prophet used to, give, used to fast a lot in the, in the month of, of the sacred month, right? The four sacred months, you know. Um, Rajab is one of them. And then right after Rajab, there is Sha'ban. So when the, there are multiple ahadith. Sayyidah Aisha, Sayyidah Muslim, Sayyidah Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala, and all the, the wives of the Prophet Wasallam testified to us that they, that the Prophet Wasallam fasted more than he fasted in any other month, he fasted Shaban. He fasted, Kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ma ra'ayta minhu fi Shaban. Yani he, he, uh, he, I've, I haven't seen the Prophet Wasallam more fasting than when he fasted in, in Shaban sallallahu uh, used, he said he used to fast all Shaban. And indeed, the Prophet ﷺ fasted all Shaban. Why? Because the Shaban, Shaban is the precursor to Ramadan. If you, wait to, if you wait until the night of the exam to prepare for the exam, you may do well, but you're not going to do really well. Right? Um, you know, you have, you, have a, a, uh, you have a competition. You wait until the playoffs to start, play, to start you know, exercising. It's not going to happen. So the playoffs are, if you will, is Ramadan. And Shaban, Shaban is the, you, you st- we start, we pay attention. The Prophet ﷺ fasted all Shaban. Why is he fasting Shaban? So when, he, so when Ramadan comes in, he, he gets to another gear. He's not, he's not tired, with, you know, it's just like, you know, the, the uh, you know, the, the, the withdrawal of the caffeine. And then, you know, I'm talking mm-hmm. about ourselves, man, the Prophet mm-hmm. did not, yeah. I'm just, I'm just giving an example. Um, you know, he was not, he's not, no, he's he's ready, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He's already, he started the month on a really high spiritual note, mm. and he's the prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Right? He doesn't just pick up Ramadan from the way it starts. No, he's 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 looking up to Ramadan. He's preparing for it, preparing for it. So when Ramadan comes in, there's another gear. Mm. He fasts in sallallahu alaihi wasallam on a daily basis. His qiyam is 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 you know, Allah Taala described his qiyam to us. Half of the half of the night, sometimes two thirds of the night, Allah is praying. Sahab described to us his qiyam that sometimes, you know, he sleeps just a very little, and then he reads Al Baqarah, Ali Amran, and Nisa, Al Maidan, and so on, in one night. Right. So we're talking about you know probably ten ajza in there, in one night. Right. And sometimes in one rak'ah. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So you can imagine the am- amount of effort that he does in Shaban to get him to Ramadan so when he gets to Ramadan he's not tired and exhausted and he's, and he's just starting and you wake up and two weeks pass from Ramadan and you're still discombobulated you don't know what just happened because yeah. you're still dealing with all the adjustment phase he's already adjusted so Ramadan comes in and the Prophet diversified his ibadah and he heightened his ibadah to a higher level the Sahaba described to us Qiyam of the Prophet وسلم, and sometimes he would do Taraweeh with them and he described to us that you know he slept he, that, that you know given that some hadith are at the last 10 days of Ramadan but you can tell how the Prophet وسلم, 
um, spent his night. You know, he, his tarawih were really long. And this idea of the tarawih were long, it, it's been like that for a while until Sidna Umar came in and made them 21 and so on. But the, the Sahaba after the Prophet they prayed there in Mudawwanat Imam Malik, he mentions that the Sahaba prayed after the Prophet prayed tarawih 40 rakahs. 36 rakahs. Malik said, it's like I, work, I, I grew up in Medina and people are praying more than 36 rakahs in tarawih. Oh. You can, and that's after Sidna Umar. This is Malik. Malik saying that. You can imagine that the tradition of making Ramadan, praying in Ramadan together and, and being in the masjid and standing up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and really devoting a big chunk of our Ramadan to ibadah is, is, is extremely important. Mm. And we can only do that if we, first, we have a plan. No. We, have, we have a program. You can't get into Ramadan without a program. No. So that's what the Prophet you know, so Sidna Rasulullah Quran fi Ramadan. The Prophet used to come and he would recite the Quran, he would review the Quran with him. He would spend so much time with Sidna Jibreel reciting the Quran, reciting the Quran, reciting the Quran. You know, so the year where he passed away, Sidna Jibreel recited the Quran with him twice. And when Sidna then this ibadah of the Quran leads to another ibadah. And when Sidna Jibreel comes to him to review the Quran with him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the Prophet mm-hmm. becomes more generous than the than the giving wind. Mm-hmm. And you can uh, you look at how the Prophet was generous in normal days and you realize, okay, how could you do more than this? How can you do but there is more? There is eventually there was more, and the Prophet was that more in Ramadan. Yes, so in every part of 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 the spiritual practices the Prophet ﷺ did did more because Ramadan was that you know Ramadan came the purifier came to you this is you know this is the time where the Prophet ﷺ is talking about the the dua of the the dua of of the of the the one who fasts that takes it talks about the the you know hosting people to to manfatrasaim and whoever so all of these are venues of khair and venues of, and one it might be the last Ramadan of ours. Oh. That's the idea in here, is that today we think, oh, you know, we, we can live this and that. But really, how many people were with us last year who are not with us this year? Oh. And so the idea in here is to, is to really recognize the opportunity of Ramadan and to really devote ourselves to, to do some ibadah. The idea in here, the, 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 the very necessary part of this ibadah is that we have to have companionship to help us with this ibadah. Otherwise, we start really strong and then we keep on and then we get tired. You need companionship in the path. So you don't feel lost, you don't feel tired, you don't feel exhausted. And you need a plan. You need a map uh, that takes you to the, to the destination. And that's the plan that, you know, go, okay, today I'm going to start with, we start Shaban and we start doing our Qiyam even for, you know, 10 minutes before Fajr or 15 minutes before Fajr. Sit down after Fajr for 15 minutes or so for Dhikr. And then we can increase that after the 15th of, of Shaban, And we increase it. So by Ramadan comes in, I'm waking up one hour before Fajr. And I'm doing one hour of Dhikr after, after, after Fajr. And I'm reading this much of the Quran. Even if you don't know Arabic, connect to the Quran. Um, you know, even through English, that's fine. Just read, spend some time with the Quran. And, and so on. So, and the idea, people think, oh, but I don't understand. Just read. Just read the Quran. Right? Just read, read and have that connection and sit down with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sit down with the dhikr, continuous istighfar, continuous salat upon the Prophet and have a plan on the day. How is how is my day is going to be? 
Ramadan has always has not just been a day that the Prophet Islam closed his door and does ibadah. Mm-hmm. Ramadan was a was time for jihad in ways you cannot imagine. The Prophet Islam was in Badr when in, in Ramadan in first you know in the first Ramadan uh, the second and then he opened Mecca in Ramadan. There was always a time of jihad and always a time of struggle and always a time of serving and so on and so forth. At the midst of all of this, we do ibadah, right? The ibadah that is the ibadah that is. Uh, the best ibadah is the ibadah in the midst of the struggle, on a daily struggle to make ends meet. And people say, oh, what is the balance? Well, chasing that balance is the journey itself. The journey itself is, is important. Sometimes you make that balance, sometimes you're not. Mm-hmm. But I would rather tilt towards ibadah from time to time than tilt other ways, than tilt into ghafla and so and so. Mm-hmm. Shut off our phones and shut off all distractors, all distractions, all distractions. Make sure that we're not sitting there watching movies and Netflix and Spotify or whatever people are into these days, I'm not sure. And just shut off all of that for Ramadan and just focus on, you know, focus on that which, and now spend our, our time just thinking that while we're listening to, I mean, I love podcasts and I love, you know, we can fill our time with it. But a lot of times we make our religiosity just that. Mm. We think that our religiosity is defined by listening to a talk about spirituality, right? <laughs> and that's, Alhamdulillah, that's, it's good, but it's not, it's not spirituality. Spirituality is when you act, when you do. And this is the time for doing. So Ramadan was that for the Prophet encourages the Sahaba to, encourage the Sahaba to give their best. So you're telling us that the Prophet, the way of the Prophet was to prepare for the guest before he arrives. Absolutely. And to think that this guest may not arrive another time. Yeah, absolutely. And and this guest is going to take my, it's going to take what I do to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I'd rather be great because this guest is here and he's going to take my whatever, whatever I, uh, my, however My attention I, and capacity. Yeah. H- however, I host the, the guest. He's going to report to, to the king. Allah. He's going to report to the king. Okay. So how am I hosting them? Allah. Am I feeding him properly? Am I taking care of him properly? Or am I, you know. Barakallah. So I know he's going to take that to Allah ta'ala. So. Bless what remains of Shaban. You alluded to the to the jihad of, of Al Habib, the jihad of the Messenger وسلم, during the month of Ramadan. Which is a good segue um perhaps into the last portion here, which is what do we learn from from the jihad, from the courage, from the uh liberation theology, let me say, of the Messenger uh, especially as it pertains to what's happening uh, around the Ummah, what's happening in Gaza and Palestine, and what our attitude and um, approach should be. What do we learn from the Messenger Shema'il from that? Yeah, uh, subhanAllah, this is a very, uh, I hope, inshallah, we can have time to really um, delve into this topic with with with, with some depth later on, inshallah, bi'idnillah. But... Um, what goes on in what goes on in Gaza is something that uh, that really uh, changed a lot of our perspective about how we do things, really. Because what stands in the uh, what stands uh, counter to the hegemony of evil and falsehood, and uh, is nothing but faith, nothing but faith. And and uh, for a while we think that for a while we teach people we we, we don't want to talk about jihad. We don't want to talk about building community that is strong, a community that is. I'm not talking about jihad that is military. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about just this concept of this concept of being of of 
of giving back to the community and giving back on a very big way and 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 struggling to make the world better and struggling against 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 the battle against falsehood in any way right Gaza comes in and tells us that our understanding of faith is is understanding of iman it has always been wanting when you see people who are three days four days he lost his father he lost his mother he lost his killed his kids he lost his wife and he's in the hospital operating on people three days without sleep and not giving up what carries these people if it's not faith we have to tie up our spirituality with jihad we have to tie we cannot isolate spirituality you cannot the, the idea if there is any area in which it needs tajdeed is this idea that we can just sit down on a corner do our awrad do our dhikr and so on and and inshallah, inshallah Allah will take care of things well the Prophet وسلم, was, was, was put as an enemy this, is, this goes as the basic of what Islam is all about mm-hmm. and, and I feel that traditionalism you know, you know, Muslim, you know, you know, Islamic. Uh, I feel that traditionalism in Islam, like the, you know, tradition, the the, the Islamic uh, traditionalism as we think about it, has focused so much on scholasticism and make it at the core of the deen, right at the core of the deen. You have to study, and you have to study, and you have to study. And the ulama are this, and the ulama are that. The ulama are great, alhamdulillah, and so on. And ilm is great, and nafiq is great, and so on and so forth. But I think we have to learn a little bit from Imam Ghazali, rahmatullahi taala alayhi. And put things in their place. Put things in their place, really. Um, you, you could study all your life and become the greatest uh, scholar of all the world and you can still legitimize to what goes on in Gaza and legitimize it for, for the sake of the Saudis or for the Moroccans or for the Egyptians and so on and so forth. With all the ilm of the world. And you can see the institutions of ilm, what are they, what are they doing? And then I heard some, especially scholars of American, uh, American scholars who... Who who have ties to to who, who legitimize things? Well, alhamdulillah, we you know this country had give us you know we 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 sponsored a million a million uh, sponsored a million meal in Yemen, sure, but they destroyed these people that are sponsored a million meal are dislocated three million people five million people they destroyed the country and you can't say a word to it against them, and and we so we have to change the way the lens we we look at things. We have to be prophetic in ways that are the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ, they give him bay'ah on jihad and bay'ah on maut and bay'ah on death. And they have this concept of being struggling to elevate the community of the Prophet ﷺ had to be mushed with our spirituality. As we do dhikr, we have to teach people to be to, to, to wake up in the morning and think, how, to, how do I make my community better? I think what we do in here has relevancy to what goes on in Gaza. You know what I mean? We can't free Gaza if we're not free from our own from our own discrepancies and our own and our own and the things that enslaves us. We can't we can't. You no, know, we we feel that we always appeal to the white man to come free free Gaza. Right? We we appeal to the oh you know what please help us in Gaza. Please help us in Gaza. I think that there is a time this is the time where our we tie up our spirituality to 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 build in prophetic communities. And build in prophetic communities that that, that centralize that centralize uh, fairness and justice and going against oppression, whatever it is, and going hard against it, no matter what, going hard against it with all the means that are with all the means that are that are given to us in the Sunnah of the Prophet mm-hmm. and all the legal means, and all the legal means as much as we can. But it, it changed the way we see. Really, it 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 made me it made me feel as a you know in a very personal note, it made me feel so inadequate. Mm-hmm. 
it's let's, we talk about faith all the time. We talk about, and then here, here these people are, they are hungry and they are, they they lost every single thing. And they say the man comes up and say, "Wallahi uh, Allah." We don't complain. We don't complain. Oh Allah, we don't complain. Oh Allah, we don't complain. What type of faith is this? What type of faith is this? This is this is the prophetic faith. We this is the companion's faith. This we we read about it in the books. Uh, we thought we embodied embodied it, but reality is these people embodied to. And how? In standing up against injustice, standing up against the hegemony of, of falsehood, and so the whole world is against them. So there is a lot to learn from the experience of Gaza. And uh, how do we help? That's the how do we help? You know, it's it's it, it eats our heart on a daily basis to see them struggling and struggling and struggling. And and the world is unable to, to 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 help. And again, only if we if we are only if we are communities. Imagine, imagine you know, hundreds of communities in America are standing up to making it making it making it feel really strong, making it make our presence felt, whether it's in the elections, whether in 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 talking to our representative, and making it really or collecting money or help and whatever it is that we need to do that our leaders. Uh, prioritize to 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 make this a priority in the Muslim community, a priority in every Muslim community in America. We'll make a dent on this. We can change things, right? Sure. We can change things. So, so I pray to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. I I know that this has been discombobulated. Just how uh, one feels, it feels uh, it feels um, there is a level of despair in the hearts of people. There is a level of uh, discombobulation in in the minds of people. But I think I think that. Again, nothing, uh, nothing goes out outside of the will of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. We have to believe in that, and we have to. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is with those who are oppressed and make du'a for them, and we do our best to help as much as we can. But we look in the mirror. Gaza is a very clear mirror right now to look in our faith, to look in our relationship with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and to look where our commitment lies. What are the priorities that the Muslim community should have? This this should be a clear mirror for all of us to pay attention to. What, what is it that we're not doing right that produce people like that? Mm. What is it that we're not doing that produce people like that? What type of Islam that is mushy, that is fun, that we want we want to desensitize Islam to 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 take all the to take all the things that are unpleasant to the modern man from Islam so they can please a new generation and so on and so forth. And what type of what type of outcome we're going to have in the next two years? In next five, in the next ten years, thirty years, four years, if we keep on making it easy and making it easy and making it easy and making it easy, what type of outcome we're going to have? Are we real custodians on the depth of Islam as well as its sur- surface? Right. So an event like this comes in and shows us, like you know, this you know, what type of human being can survive this, can go through this with type of faith and so on and so forth. So we ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to grant us wisdom so we can understand. Amen. And grant us abilities so we can act. Amen. And we ask Allah Ta'ala to be with our brothers and our sisters in Gaza. We'll be their protectors and elevate them. We ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to, we ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala as they are going, what they are going through, we ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to be with them. We ask Allah Amen. to get them out of the, the, out of this trial that they're going through. We ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to, we ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to, to, to defend them. We ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to show us in those who are oppressing them a day like the day of Ad and Tamud, inshallah, sure. bi'illah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to, we ish fi sudura qawmin mu'minin, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had grant us 
tranquility of our, of our heart towards them ya arhamar rahimin ya rabbi ya rabbi ya rabbi ya arhamar rahimin alhamdulillah and sincere apologies it was it was all over the place just because no no it's it's a very uh, it, it brings uh, you know as the arabs say shujun uh, to the to the you know to the heart and uh, may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our duas and, uh, and and our struggles and and make us worthy uh, to even uh, you know you know emulate you know uh, those those folks who are you know showing us ayat wallahi ayat yeah, absolutely. Uh, of what absolutely. what they're doing right there in Palestine and Gaza and, and and make us through the lens of prophetic love and prophetic uh, shama'il and, yeah, and and yeah. centralizing the prophet yeah. in our lives yeah, able yeah. to do that uh, and this is really why we connect these uh, you know sessions that we are learning about uh, you know uh, to the reality that we are living in so barakallahu feekum sayyidna shaykh jazakumullahu alf khair i want to end uh, you know uh, we, we're talking about the shama'il and uh, in, in the spirit of our dua maybe by sending salawat uh, to the prophet alayhi salatu wassalam we are uh, so lucky sami that uh, we have also scholars who understand the maqamat and understand you know the other sides of the uh, beautiful uh, you know manifestations of the human soul uh, but uh, uh, Sammy and I want to just join you, CD, like maybe in two minutes, just to end. We can boast over other podcasts <laughs> that we can do also salawat with you, inshallah ta'ala. Inshallah. Inshallah. bil khair. So maybe we will close, inshallah, with this dua uh, and with this sending of the salawat uh, following Sheikh Hassan. And Jazakumullah uh, khair, everybody. Uh, and may Allah bless you, bless your days, and, and and allow you to reach Ramadan and benefit from from Ramadan. Oh, Please man. don't oh, forget Al Madina, uh, Iman Wire, Sheikh Hassan, and all of uh, your and our community in your du'as, and especially the people of Gaza. Oh, and Barakallah fikum Ramadan Mubarak. And before we do the salawat, I also want to close by saying, you know, a lot of people ask me where can we learn Shema'il from. Um, this weekend, of course, no one's going to hear this in time, but this weekend there is a Shema'il class from Taysir Academy, uh, Seminary Afwan here in Islamic Society of Baltimore. But the Sheikh has been doing the Shema'il in Rabi' al-Awwal every year for over a decade right now, Shalom. and probably the past six or seven years are on YouTube or Facebook. I mean, yes. you can find them. And every time someone asks me, where do I learn Shema'il from? Go and listen to the entire series for Sheikh Hassan. Um so that you can be connected in this way to those that are teaching the Shema in a way that connects us spiritually to the Messenger them, as an act of devotion, not just as an academic act. So please, 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 inshallah, um, that's your homework. In, in addition to making Salah with us right now for those listening. Allah barak fikum, Sina. we follow you. إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم 
اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا على دخلك وعلى دعوتك وزنت عرشك وزيد كلماتك كلما ذكرك وذكره الذاكرون وغفل عن ذكرك وذكر الغافلون ربنا سألك بجيك الذي أضعت له السماوات والأرض وصلوحا عليه مرولا والآخرة أن تجعل أفضل صلواتك وأنماها وأعلاها وأكرمها وأجلاها يا أرحم الراحمين وأعلاها على سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين وأزواجه وذريته وعلى آل بيته يا أرحم الراحمين يا رب العالمين كما صليت وباركت ونعمت على سيدنا محمد على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سليما كثيرا صلى الله عليه وسلم على سيدنا محمد الحمد لله رب العالمين